to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. Uh, today's first reading is the epistle reading from 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And today's gospel reading is from Luke 15, 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I will never forget the Christmas that I was left home alone. It wasn't nearly as exciting as the movie, for the record. I just sat around playing Nintendo and eating candy. There were no comical burglars trying to break in and my family had not gone off anywhere as swanky or exciting as Paris, inadvertently leaving me behind. It's just that my little sister got sick and they took her to the emergency room. As it was Christmas and we had a new Nintendo and a metric ton of candy in the house, there was no way I was going with them. But instead of one parent going to the ER with my sister and one staying home with me, they both went and left me at home by myself. 
Um, now, before you start thinking that my parents are some sort of like terrible, negligent people, I was like 13 or 14 at the time, and it was the 90s, so I'd been staying home alone for quite some time before that. Uh, but it was Christmas. And as miserable as I would have been getting dragged to the emergency room with my sick little sister, staying home alone stunk, too. I was all by myself. Now, I was in a safe place. Nothing bad was going to happen to me aside from a candy binge stomach ache. But it was lonely. Mario Kart is a much better game when you have two or more people playing it. Our dogs and cats are okay company, but it wasn't the same as having my people family around on Christmas. And when I think about the sheep being left alone by the shepherd as he goes out to find the lost one, this is what comes to mind for me. Not that the 99 sheep who stayed behind were playing Mario Kart and going on candy binges, but because it's lonely to watch the one or the ones who are there to take care of you step out to take care of another. Even if you love that other one. My sister was sick. She needed antibiotics. My parents had to take care of her. But that didn't make it feel any less lonely for me. When the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep to go look for the lost one, he's not being frivolous. He's not neglecting the other sheep. That lost sheep is in a ton of danger. There are all sorts of thieves and wild animals and cliffs out there that that poor sheep might come across. That sheep truly is in danger of death out there. And that shepherd is not neglecting 99 for the sake of one. It might feel a little like that for the ones left, but they're safe. They are in a safe and a protected place. And in fact, as lonely as it might sound for them, they wouldn't have actually been left alone. At that time and place that Jesus was telling this story, shepherds would not generally have grazed their herds alone. They would have been uh, in a group with two or three or more shepherds with their flocks all in the same area. It gave them someone to talk to, some human interaction instead of just talking to sheep all day. Would have been a security tactic. Several shepherds have a better chance warding off wild animals or bad guys than just one shepherd alone does. And should a sheep from one shepherd's flock turn up missing, he would be able to leave his other sheep where they were knowing that there was someone keeping an eye on them. Because the shepherds would have shepherded in community, they were in the end better able to care for their flocks all around. It can feel frustrating sometimes to be a smaller, more traditional, even though I hate the words traditional and contemporary as applied to church, it can, it can be hard and frustrating to be a more traditional congregation when there's all these cool new worshiping communities popping up all over the place. It can feel a bit like there are entire congregations full of faithful people who've been left behind 
while the shepherd goes out to seek the ones who haven't been faithful. And sometimes when a church is starting new outreach programs like we're doing right now here and at St. Andrews, it can feel like there is a risk of people who are already in the pews being left behind. But we're never really left alone with no protection or guidance. We have other congregations who are in the same boat as us, our fellow sheep, our fellow flock members. We have elders and deacons and other church leaders and community members who help to care for the flock. We can rely on one another and on the leadership that God has placed right here within the congregation and in our area and our community. And when we rest in that knowledge, we are given the peace that is required to be able to rejoice when those sheep-finding missions are fruitful. It's also important to remember that we have all wandered off at some point. The author of 1 Timothy, who is probably not Paul, but someone writing in the second or third generation of theologians in Paul's genre, uh, starts right off by talking about his experience being the lost sheep. This is what gives him his perspective and reminds him and those around him of the power Jesus has to transform each and every one of us, no matter where we've wandered to. Each one of us has been a rogue sheep. And some of us did encounter bears or lions or cliffs when we were out wandering. Some just found a different type of grass that wasn't quite as tasty. Some of us walked a few feet and said, nope, and happily trotted right back to the flock at the shepherd's heels. But we all, once upon a time, were brought to the flock by the shepherd in some form or another. And that is really important to remember. Some of us can name the person that walked alongside us. Some of us point to a ministry program that nurtured us. Some of us just felt grabbed a hold of or pestered by God until we figured it out. Every sheep's story is different, but every sheep has a story worth telling and remembering. Here's the thing about sheep, though. Sheep do not come when they are called. Now, I'm sure there are some sheep out there who've been treated more as a pet than a sheep and a flock tend to be, or some genius sheep prodigy who actually do come when called. But as a general rule, sheep do not know their names. They do not call come when their name is called. The shepherd has other ways of herding and calling them. And if they trust the shepherd, they will come to the shepherd and they will follow him anywhere. But when a sheep wanders off, the shepherd cannot just stand on the edge of the flock and yell, Gerald! Gerald! Gerald the sheep! If Gerald is far enough away that he can no longer see the flock, Gerald is alone and confused and is not going to come when called. So many churches, however, just stand on the edges of the flock and yell, Young families! Young families, where are you? Or unchurched of the community! Unchurched of the community, where are you? And then when the unchurched and the young families don't come in when called from the edges, we get frustrated. Yes, it is uncomfortable to step outside of our walls and connect to the community. 
And yes, sometimes it can feel like we might risk neglecting the sheep within the walls. But shepherds use a crook for a reason. You have to get a sheep's attention in a tangible way sometimes. And going outside of the fold to look for the sheep who are elsewhere does not mean having to neglect the faithful sheep who haven't wandered off. We can do both. Just like the shepherd saying, Hey friend, can you keep an eye on these guys while I go find Gerald? We can, and in fact should, assign some to outreach and some to care within. In a way, we could consider ourselves the shepherd's crook. We are the tools that God uses to reach others. And if we're always here with the rest of the flock all of the time, we're not actually helping at all with the shepherd's mission to find those who have been separated from their community. Now, I do realize that I have now compared you all to sheep shepherds and shepherd's crooks all in the same sermon. That's just how parables are. If you think back to our study on parables last fall, we aren't meant or we are meant to identify with many different players in the parable and explore how we play each of those parts in the world around us for better or for worse. So go get them, sheep shepherds and shepherd crooks. Let me get down to the main point before this gets too muddied. The simple act of our being here in the faith community doesn't help those outside the faith community find it. Last week, I asked you all to write down a few words about what you love most about this congregation, and I did the same over at St. Andrew's, and I love the words that came up. These are the words from both congregations. If you really want to see them from just one or the other, I'll be happy to show them to you, but good luck figuring out which is which, because they look nearly identical. In fact, this morning, the only way as Rebecca and I were looking at them that we could tell which was which was that we remembered someone at St. Andrew's had written down fitness class and nobody here wrote that down. That was the only difference between these two word clouds. And the way that this works is the bigger the word is, the more times it came up. So you can see some of the big words that came up time and time again. Words like non-judgmental, friendly, welcoming, loving, warm. And I see that in you all. I agree with those words. But these are all words that are the exact opposite of the reputation that the church as a whole has in our current cultural context. The church today is notorious for the judgmental, unfriendly, unwelcoming, unloving, cold things that have been done to people in the name of the Bible and Christianity. If you ask people who aren't going to church why they aren't, you will frequently hear things like, because the church is judgmental, or the church isn't very friendly, to new people. So how do we get out there and let the people in our neighborhood know that we aren't, that we are these things? What can we do in our neighborhood that communicates acceptance, friendship, warmth, welcome, love? And then how do we make sure that when someone hears us say that and walks into these doors on a Sunday morning who's never been here before, who's maybe never been to any church 
before? How do we make sure that they know right away that we really are all of those things and we weren't just blowing smoke to convince them that we are? I don't have the answers to that right now. I'm so sorry if you're waiting on the edge of your seat for the answers to those questions. But we're going to be asking those questions this afternoon at our discernment prayer meeting. That is the purpose of those meetings. This is why what we are doing right now is so vital to the future of this community. But here's what I do know. I do know a few things, and this is one of them. You are fully capable of doing great things if you are willing to let God take charge and do the crazy, unexpected sorts of things that God does. And I am seeing that start to happen. There is creativity rising up out of the pews and the session meetings and the prayer gatherings, and God is working. Our witnessing God at work time this morning together is evidence of that. And it's going to keep getting wackier and wackier because that's how God rolls. And in that wild and wonderful recreation that God does, there is so much beauty, so much joy, so much rich community, so much huge celebration over every sheep that finds its way into or back into the community of faith. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the ways that you care for and protect us. We thank you for this warm and welcoming, non-judgmental community that you have given each and every one of us. We thank you for this safe place to be ourselves and to be who you truly made us to be. And we pray that as we continue to seek your way forward, to find what it means to be Emsworth Presbyterian Church today, We ask that you would give us guidance and grace and peace and energy and imagination. We pray that you would show us how to be good sheep, good shepherds, and good shepherds' crooks all at the same time. Help us to see what our place is in our community. We lift up all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.